Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Well, it's wonderful to have you here this morning. Church, you can take your seats. Thank you for those of you who are joining us online. We're in for a great morning. I get the privilege of continuing our series called Church Rediscovered. And as our band make their way off, can we show appreciation to our band? Thank them for worshipping day in, day out. That's good. Well, we, as I mentioned, we are continuing our series, Church Rediscovered. And over this series, what we've been doing is we've been looking at the church, getting a fresh look for ourselves of what the church is. Because whether you like it or not, the church isn't just a meeting. The church isn't a building. It's not a function that you and I attend. The church really simply boiled down to what it really is. It's a spiritual family that you and I belong to. And what I want to encourage you to do right now is why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, hi fam. And if you're online and there's no one in the lounge room next to you, you can say it back to me. Hi fam, it's great to have you here. It's great to be with you this morning. And during this service, what we've been doing is we've been looking at some of the things that the early church committed themselves to, that you and I as a spiritual family, we need to be committing ourselves to. And so we looked at week one at worship, the early church, and as a spiritual family, we've committed ourselves to worship, we've committed ourselves to fellowship that's doing life together and we've committed ourselves to leadership and to discipleship and this morning I want to continue that theme and I want to talk on the subject of stewardship. Now I know as I say the word stewardship, some of you in the room are like, I've never heard of that word. That's a sort of an old-fashioned word, stewardship. It's not a common word that you would use in your um, everyday vocabulary. In fact, I, when I was thinking about the word stewardship, the only three things that came to mind about stewardship, and I'm really going to show you my age, is when I was a little girl, I had a family member who was into horses and I occasionally went with them to a Morfittville Racecourse and some of those horse racing events. And there are racing stewardship. Or if you've ever been to the Clipsal 500 or the Grand Prix, they have racing stewards. Or way back in the days, our air hostess used to actually be called air stewardess, or, right? So stewardess is a term that we're kind of not really familiar with. But the dictionary's definition of a steward is simply this. It's one who manages the possessions of another. And so this morning I want to talk about stewardship and I've entitled my message, uh, It's a Matter of Principle. Now, probably the best example I can share with us about a steward is one of a a business nature. Perhaps uh, you're working in a business where you have somebody who has been employed to manage the resources and the finance of the business. The owner is hard working and they've grown their business to such a state where they can't concentrate on that. So they employ somebody who comes along and manages the resources and manages the finance so that the business owner can get about doing the things that they need to do. Now, the thing with being a manager is this 
is that the business has a certain ethos, the business has a certain mandate, the business has a certain product in the way it, in which it operates. And as a manager, I've been given resources, I've been given finance to come alongside and spend that and use that in line with the mandate of the business, correct? So what would happen is it, the, the resources that I've been given and the money that is at my disposal, I actually don't have the opportunity to spend that the way I want to spend that. The actual business owner has given me direction in the way that I spend that, in the way that I finance things. And we all know that in the world, if I was a manager and if my business owner had given me resources and finance for me to use, if I decided how I wanted to spend it, say I thought, well, that's really nice of you, bud, that you would like to do this with your business, but I'd like to go on a cruise or I'd like to do this or I'd like to, or I feel we should do this. The world would call that embezzlement. Now, here's the thing, church, that we have to understand. As believers and as Christians, if we have said, Jesus, we surrender our lives to you, you are my Lord and my Saviour, we, just like a business manager, are a manager of God's possession. And what's his possession, I hear you ask? It's you and I. 1 Corinthians simply says this. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20 says, You are not your own. You've been bought with a price. As a Christian, because I have surrendered my life to Jesus, I've surrendered my rule over my own life. I've decided that, you know what, Jesus, you are Lord. Jesus, you are Saviour. You're leading me in this area. I am a manager now of my life. In actual fact, I don't have the opportunity to be able to direct and say what I think I should do because I'm no longer the owner. God is the owner, I'm the manager, and what I need to do is learn how to manage my life in accordance with His will and His ways. That's what I really believe biblical stewardship is all about. It's about stewarding the life that God has given me. And here's the kicker. If I live my life the way I want to live it, if I spend my resources the way I want to spend it, then I am like the manager in the business who actually is embezzling what God has entrusted to me. And so this morning, I want to look at stewardship and I want to look at three principles that I believe you and I need to remember so that we can steward well. If you think you're already stewarding well, great. Then hopefully these principles will help you steward better. But I'm trusting that as I share them, there'll be a little bit of that, oh, I didn't realise that. And we would all have a fresh revelation that we own nothing, that it's not us or it's not ours, but as we've surrendered to God, He owns it. But our responsibility is to be great stewards of what He's entrusted to us. Are you with me this morning? Awesome. So do you want to know what the three principles are? If you're online, everybody said yes, okay? So I'm not just ignoring them and continuing. They said yes, all right. So the three principles are found in the parable of the talents, which you'll find in Matthew chapter 25 from verses 14 to 28. And I'm just gonna read them in part and we're gonna have a look at that. So if you've got your Bibles with you, you can turn to Matthew chapter 25, verse 14, and we're gonna read. 
It says, Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work, and he gained five more. So that also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. What is the first principle of godly stewardship? It's the, actually the principle of ownership. Let me ask you a question, church. Whose money did the managers have? Yes, that's right. Not a trick question. It was the owner's money. He entrusted his money to the managers so that they could then go and put it to work on his behalf. The first key for you and I in our stewardship is to remember the principle of ownership. Newsflash, you and I don't own anything. Nada, zip, zilch, not a thing. There is nothing that you and I have that God hasn't already given to each and every one of us. Psalm 24, 1 says this, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Say everything. Everything in it means everything. There's no little clauses except this. No, it's everything. The world and all who live in it. And it kind of reminds me of a story I read once and I want to share it with you because I think you'll enjoy the irony of it. But I read a story about a woman who'd finished her shopping and returned to her car to find, shock of all shocks, four men inside it. She dropped her shopping bags, drew out a large handgun from her purse and with a forceful voice said, I've got a gun and I know how to use it. Get out of my car. It says these men didn't wait a second for a second invitation. They got out and ran like crazy. The woman, understandably shaken by her ordeal, quickly loaded her shopping bags and got into the car. She just wanted to get out of there as fast as she could. But no matter how she tried, she could not get her key into the ignition. Then it hit her. This isn't my car. She looked and indeed her car was parked four or five spaces away. She got out. She looked around to see if the men were near. She loaded the bags into her own car and drove straight to the police station to turn herself in. The desk sergeant, after hearing her story, nearly fell out of his chair laughing. He pointed to the other end of the counter where four men were reporting a carjacking by a little old lady with white hair and glasses carrying a massive handgun less than five feet tall. No charges were filed. This lady confidently got into what she thought was her car. So confident that she could pull out a gun on four men because she was like, guys, you don't understand. This is my car. I own this car. Who do you think you are? Do you know how hard I had to work to get this car? Do you know how many late nights? Do you know what I've had to do to earn this thing? She, I mean, I can, you can see it, can't you? Glasses, curly hair, big gun. Obviously, it's an American story because you don't pull out a gun in Australia, but who knows? 
And she's like, no, Buster, get out of my car. Get out of my car. This is my car. How dare you? And do you know what I see when I read that? I think that's a great picture of you and I. We're just like that little old lady thinking, how dare, what do you mean, God? I have to give every week. What do you mean, God? You expect me to make room in my finances to be able to bring money into your kingdom. What do you mean, God, that you expect me as a believer to actually get on a roster at church? What do you mean, God, that actually you expect me to live a life with margin so that I have time to invest into other people? What do you mean? We're like the little old lady, but God, don't you know how hard I've worked for my spare? time. Don't you know how hard I've worked for my finances? Don't you know how I have polished my craft and my gift? Don't you know that I'm using that so that I can soften the nest in my own home? We are like the little old lady who says, no, get out of my car. And God's saying to us constantly, hey church, it's not your car. You don't own it. If we want to be people who are stewarding well and stewarding our life, we have to remember the principle of ownership. We don't own anything. Everything we have, God has given to us. And so every Sunday, when we talk about offering, when we talk about bringing our tithe, if you're sitting there and you're struggling, you think, oh, it's that part of the meeting again, I just switch off or turn off. If you're struggling to be generous and to bring to God His money, I believe it's because you actually think your money's yours. And you have to have a fresh revelation. It's not. God has given you the ability and the, uh, to be able to make that money. And God's response is, I own that money. Because you said, I'm no longer my own. I've been purchased with a price. You said, Jesus, you're my Lord and Saviour. So if I'm your owner, you're my manager. And anything you put your hand to and have accomplished, it's not because of you. It's because of me. And church, I'm not perfect and I found myself in those same positions, but I've just settled the fact that anything I can do, God gave me the ability to do. Any finance, I'm just grateful that God's asking 10% because it's actually all His, 100%. But every Sunday as a tithe, He says, will you bring your 10%? And as a church, we're moving into legacy, which for us is how we finance the plans and the purposes for the coming years. It's the dreams that God has placed in our heart for the next generation. And we stand here and we talk to you about what we feel God wants to do. And we ask you, will you, above your regular giving, will you participate in legacy with us? And when you understand the principle of ownership, every time the legacy opportunity comes, we don't sit there and think, mm, should I participate this year? Should I do it? Maybe, you know, maybe I've done it for the last 10 years that this has been happening. Maybe I'll give it a rest this year. No, the question isn't, should I? The question should be, how much am I going to participate this year? Because I've had a revelation. I don't own anything. It's not mine. I'm a steward of everything that God has given me. It's like last week we had the girls up here with the refresh team. And we said to them, in light of this season, we have more work in terms of cleaning that needs to be done to keep us all safe. And we said, well, could you help us by joining the refresh team? And I honestly think, church, if everybody who calls themselves a Christian, who calls Victory Home, should be on a roster. Now, how we serve is different and what we can give. But the fact is, all of us have to understand the gift and the talent that God has given me. My time, it's not, I don't own it. 
And so we honestly, we should be inundated with people saying, I can be on the refresh team. I'll do that. Or Victory Kids or whatever the ministry is, the cafe, whatever the need. It really shouldn't be that from the front we say, hey guys, we need you to get on board. It should be a revelation that I don't own anything. My time is not mine. I know I work hard. I do my 40 hours and I do this and I've got to fit family in. I've got to fit this in. And so my five hours I've got, it's mine. And God sits there and says, not if you're stewarding. Well, it's not. He says, you're a manager. I give you those 24 hours. I'm asking you, will you steward it in a way that brings honour to me and shows my ownership of your life? Because how we spend our resources actually determines how much ownership God actually has over us. And just in case you think, well, you're just saying that because you're the leader here and you need to say that because you need people to participate in the things that you're asking. Let me show you what the Bible says. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, it says, For who makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as if you did not? And Deuteronomy chapter 8 and 17 and 18 says, You may not say to yourself, My power and the strength of my hand has produced wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Church, you've got to remember, we don't own anything. We are simply managers of what God has paid the ultimate price for. That's Jesus' death so that He could own us, so that we could be managers of the resources He places in our hands. The first key of stewarding well is to remember that the principle of ownership. The second key that we need to uh, remember and you'll find in our text is the principle of accountability. It goes down in uh, chapter 25 and verse 19. It says, After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold bought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who'd received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvested where I have not sown and gathered where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. You know, it's interesting to note that the owner has a right to hold the managers accountable with his possessions. And at church, it is no different with our Father in heaven. He is going to hold you and I accountable with what he has given us to do. He's going to say, actually, Kath, with the gifts and the talents that I have laid on you, what have you done with them? 
And He's going to ask you the same question. We are going to be held accountable. And just in case you think, oh, it's a bit harsh, can I just, every parent in the room and every parent online, you know that to be true because we do it with our kids. We hold them accountable. If I asked you to do something, I'm going to follow up the fact that you didn't do what it is I've asked you to do. And I remember opportunities where I would give my kids money and I'd give them a shopping list and because I couldn't make it to the shops, I'd say, hey, could you go and do this? And when they came back and they say, hey, mum, I've done your job, I'd be awesome. And I'd be trying to get the shopping bags and I want to unpack it. And I'd be like, Cocoa Pops, not on my list. Chocolate, not on my list. Uh, I don't even know what that is, not on my list. Uh, Lego, not on my list. I'm like, I'm not going to be a happy mama because I'm going to be like, no, 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 no. I gave you a list. I gave you the resources. I had an expectation because I'm the owner of that money. I had an expectation that you were going to do what it is I asked you to do. So mama ain't going to be happy if she doesn't have vegetables, protein and uh, fruit in her fridge and cupboard. But the kids have got chocolate and chips and lollies and ice cream and oh, Lego. And you look and say, yeah, I agree because I've done that. Well, you know what? It's exactly the same with our Father in Heaven. He's going to hold us accountable to what He's given us. So your time, church, it's actually not your time. And so when we say, yes, but I'm really busy, God's going to ask us, what did you do with the time that I gave you? You had 24 hours a day. He's going to ask you, what did you do with it? And each and every one of us are going to have to stand before Him and in front of Him and give an account for what we did. And I look around the room and I think, how many opportunities are sitting here? Because we've forgotten that good stewarding is about remembering the principle of accountability. I think as Christians, we forget sometimes we're actually going to be held accountable. If we realise I can tell you, my children only forgot once that they shouldn't follow the shopping list. It only takes once for them to remember, oh, there's an account, I'm going to be held accountable for what it is I do. And from then on, they fulfilled what it was that was asked. And I think as Christians, we forget that, you know what, church, we have a loving God in heaven who loves us, but because He loves us, He's actually going to hold us accountable. We said, Hey, Lord Jesus, won't you come and be Lord and Master of my life? He said, we said yes to that. We've said yes to His ownership. Now He has an expectation that the resources and the gifts He gives us, we're going to use them in accordance to His ways and His will. He's going to hold you and I accountable. And I don't know how many people potentially are sitting here and God's been saying, do you know what? I watch the way that you interact with people and you care for people. Do you know we need new connect group leaders? We need more. Do you know you could actually just have a group of people that you could do life with on a smaller context once a week, spend some time with them? God's going to hold you accountable for the gifts and talents He's placed within your life. Do you know there are people here who go, you know, I built a bigger home. I felt I wanted more space. I've got a large entertaining area. And God's saying, do you know that... You could actually open up your home to host a connect group. 
You could say, hey, I've been given a resource. God has given me the opportunity to have a large space, an opportunity for me to open up so that people could come and find safety in sanctuary. God is going to hold us accountable with the gifts and talents. It's even the fact of my preaching here is a great demonstration of that accountability. Because I don't know if you're aware, but this isn't something that I desire to do. When I did year 12 and they ask you, where do you see yourself being? I never saw myself being a church leader and a public speaker. I, want, I was happy. I wanted to be a dental nurse. That's what I wanted to do. But I am going to stand before Jesus one day and give account for the gifts and the talents and the call that He's placed on my life, just like you are. And it's been confirmed by lots of men and women that there's a gift of preaching on my life. I'm assuming and hoping you're enjoying that this morning. But it comes at a cost to me because it's actually the hard work that I've got to do. It's about me getting over my own insecurity, me getting over my own fear, me getting over the me part because I've had a revelation that God's going to hold me accountable. He's not going to hold me accountable for what I haven't done, uh, for what I um, can't do, but He definitely is going to hold me accountable for what I can do. And so you might be looking at the person next to you and going, oh, well, you know, what about them or what about them? It doesn't matter about them. You know, parents, you tell your kids off and there might have been two of them and you're just chatting to one and you're telling them off and this is what we're doing. And they go, well, what about her? It's like right now, I'll sort her out in a minute. We're talking about you. And that's like each and every one of us. We have to understand God, there comes a day when we're gonna stand before God in His presence and He's gonna say, what did you do with my son, Jesus? And what did you do with the gifts and the talents that I've placed within you? And church, we have to answer that. And I think the best place to answer that is to answer it right here, right now. Father, the gifts You've given me, the talents You've given me, my finances, my time, my thinking, my thought processes, it's all going to be given over to You because of this uh, accountability. I know You're going to keep me accountable. Romans 14, 12 says this, So then, each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. How many rosters could we actually relieve people from if all of us went, I'm going to be accountable, so I'll put my hand up. I've been calling Victory home for 10 years and I've not really walked in that area. I'm going to put my hand up. Rosters could be filled. Meals could be cooked. People could be picked up. There are people who need lifts to church because of they can't drive themselves or what, whatever it be, the endless possibilities if people stewarded their lives well. If they understood, it's not about me and what I want. It's about understanding God has graced me, God has gifted me, and I'm going to be a good manager of that which He's gifted me with. When you remember that you're going to be held accountable, I believe it helps us to steward well. And thirdly, the last principle I see in this passage is the principle of reward. It goes on to say in verses 28 to 30, So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The owner rewarded the manager's based on what they did. For the one who, who had five and went and put five to work, he got five back. For the one who had two and put two to work, he got two back. And for the one who had one and did nothing, even what he had was removed 
from Him. I think one of the keys for you and I to understand biblical stewardship is to realise and remember that there's a principle of reward at work. God wants to reward you and I for our faithfulness. God's saying, hey, it's not about the amount. And this is often where we get to and what we do. We go, well, I don't have that, so I can't. God's not asking us to do what we can't do. He's asking us to do what we can do. And when we do what we can do, He rewards us. So it wasn't about the fact that one got five and one got two. It was about the fact they both got rewarded. In actual fact, I want to go as far as to say this, all three of them got rewarded. The third person got rewarded, but his reward was negative because he didn't act on. So it's not about not doing anything. It's about the fact that he didn't do, he wasn't stewarding his reward well. So his reward was nothing. He got it taken off. And you and I are going to stand before God, as we said about our accountability, but we're going to be rewarded when we steward our life well. So don't look at the person next to you. Don't look at what others are doing, but just in front of God saying, God, my life, my gifts, my talent, what are you asking me to do? Because that is what I'm going to be rewarded on. If I turn my five into five, that's what I started with. It's the increase. Two into two, it's the increase. That's what we're going to be rewarded for. And the good news is, yes, I believe we're going to be rewarded here and now because God talks about rewards on earth. But the greatest thing and the greatest opportunity is we're talking about an eternal reward. God is going to give us an eternal reward. I love it in um, Matthew chapter 6, when it talks about store up treasure in heaven, where moth and vermin and uh, rust can't and thieves can't steal it. But when you invest in heaven rather than earthly, we're investing treasure. And it's talking about legacy coming up. We're talking about how do I invest over and above when I decide, you know what, I'm going to make an adjustment so that I can steward the resources and the gifts and the talents well. I'm storing up treasure in heaven. I'm seeding the next generation today. I may never see it. But my reward is in heaven. My reward is when I get to the end of my life and I stand before my maker. And you know what he says to me? He says, Kath, well done, good, faithful servant. I don't know about you, but I want to hear those words. Well done, good, faithful servant. He's not going to say, well done, because you got five bags. Well done, because you got two bags. He's just going to say, well done, because you were faithful with what it was I asked you to do, and I'm going to reward you accordingly. Stewardship, I believe, is a matter of principle. It's the principle of ownership. It's the principle of accountability. It's the principle of reward. And the question you and I need to ask ourselves today is how well are we doing at stewardship? And here's how you know how well you're doing at stewardship is that is God's ownership seen over how you use your resources? Can people see the way you spend your life? Can people see the way you spend your time? Can people see the way you spend your finances? Is God's ownership permeated throughout all of that? And if it's not, then we have to understand we actually have not been managing and stewarding our life well. But the good news is it's an easy turnaround. I love this quote by author Lynn Miller. She says this, Stewardship 
is the act of organising your life so that God can spend you. And church, part of this series is to understand what church really is. And part of this series is understanding what is true biblical stewardship. Biblical stewardship is recognising we don't own anything. God owns it all. Biblical stewardship is all about recognising that, you know what, I'm going to be held accountable for that which He's given me. And it's all about recognising God will reward me when I'm faithful with what He's asked me to do. And I believe some of us need to actually reorganise our lives so that God can spend us. And it doesn't have to be a hard thing, a long thing, a big thing. It can be a simple attitude adjustment that just says, God, you know what? I actually forgot and thought I own this stuff. I actually forgot you're going to hold me accountable or I actually forgot, hey, there's a benefit called a reward if I do the right thing. And church, I'm going to invite you to stand. I would love to be able to pray for us. And as I pray for us, I want to be able to go back to worship so we can do business with God this morning. So Father, we thank You for the truth of Your Word. We thank You that God, You sent Your Son Jesus to die for us so that we could have relationship with You, which means that we are now no longer owners and masters of our own life, but that we are managers of the gifts and the talents and the resources that You've given us. And my prayer for everyone here and myself included and those online is we'd have a fresh revelation of the fact that the principle of ownership the principle of accountability, you will hold us accountable and the principle of reward, that we will be rewarded when we do the right thing. And I pray that from today, we will make adjustments in reorganising our lives so that your ownership would be seen in and through us as individuals and in and through us as a local church. Amen, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au.